Hi, my name's Alistair. Hi, my name's Kat, and this is Bampop Productions Podcast. Alright? Right. <laughs> what are the headlines? Right. Right, so there are some headlines today. Go ahead. I've got a few that interest me. Um, first one I saw actually is today, I don't know if you know, is the last day for EU citizens to apply for their post-Brexit residency. I've been midnight, seeing ads for it. Midnight tonight. Um, quite funny though, ministers have um, been, well they've rejected, government ministers have rejected uh, demands to extend the deadline. Um, this being despite the fact that they currently have a backlog of 300,000 applications that are unprocessed. unprocessed. That sounds like the British government <laughs> not making any sense. They've got three years worth. I don't know if it's three years. It could be three, three years. years. No, I have no idea. Wait, say, wait, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Well, maybe if you talked faster. Well, maybe if you didn't interrupt. Well, maybe if you weren't just such a dick all the time. Okay, well, come on. Go on. Maybe if you weren't such a... Don't be careful what you're going to say. Lovely person. Mm-hmm. Continue on. So, I don't know how long it'll take them to process the 300,000 applications, but could be quite a while, yet they're refusing to give any extra time to um, uh, people to you know, get these, get these um, applications in. So... Sucks, but if you're an EU citizen currently in the UK and you want to apply for your post-Brexit residency, you've got till midnight tonight to get that off and submit it. So uh, make sure you do it, you know, because the UK is going places. We've got a lot of good opportunities here. And, you know, uh, if you're um, from France or Germany or Poland or Portugal or Spain or okay. Romania or anywhere, you won't get any better opportunities there than you will you sound in, like a politician. On this island, so make sure you definitely apply and don't take your skill set elsewhere, please. <laughs> please. It sounds kind of desperate. Okay, the next one. Um, uh, the Sun is continuing with their story from Matt Hancock. Um, <laughs> they're now demanding that he resign um, as, as an a... MP. So oh, leaves right. his, his MP-ship. Um not just so he's given up his you know he obviously resigned from the cabinet slash was sacked um and now they're uh quoting um i think his local constituency like the conservative body that you know puts him forward for the local seat mm-hmm. the local conservative party they've um, demanded that he um resign from the party mm-hmm. now um, this is because he's now left his wife for his married advisor he was having the affair with. So, uh, you know, in fairness, that seems to be what he wants. And mm-hmm. uh, no need to keep it secret now. So why the hell not, I guess? Well, good luck to him and her. Yeah, good luck to him and Sounds her. Sounds like this is going to be a really smooth start well, <laughs> in relationship. Do you know, he's had the most unthankful job in the COVID response <laughs> for the last... Um, I can't remember how long he's had the role now for, but do you know, it's, <laughs> it's not been great for him. It's so stressful. Like absolutely, he should get himself a new lady friend, and you know, get on that unrestricted travel and uh, jet off. I think he should resign from being an MP. He still gets a salary, by the way, till the end of the. Um, I think as you said last time, he's probably not that electable anymore. No, um, the credibility's gone. So the cred's gone. Yeah. So I mean, he should just. Um, 
because I think I'm pretty sure if you resign, you still get a salary for being an MP for the term of your um how long you're there. I think I might be wrong in that, but the thing is, though, to me, that would be a present gain. But my question is, is that what's going to happen to him in the long term? Because he's going to need to lay low for a bit. No, you can go to um. No, no, no. That's an old school way of doing it. I think Dominic Cummings has changed the game here, as he's done with everything in politics. It, mm-hmm. Matt Hancock should go join forces with Dominic Cummings and spend the next two years just firing random pot shots in newspapers, like well, publishing confidential messages and memos and, uh, you know, just try and bring down one of the most, you know, popular governments the UK has ever had. I don't awkward. mean popular as in, you know, universally popular, but I mean popular as in their core support is so enthusiastic that there's no way that we're getting rid of Boris Johnson ever. Until he either dies in office or wants to leave. <laughs> no, I think I think he'll go of his own volition. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's never going to be elected out. Like he's too popular amongst his core support. No, perhaps yeah. I said it the wrong way. I think no one's that popular forever in a democracy. No, we're past that now. This is the world we live in. I don't know about that. Okay, the next comment, please. Time eggs on. Wow. I'll just say you're wrong, but yes, let's move on. I would say I'm not wrong. I, so well, I, next comment, please. Yes. What's the next comment? <laughs> the chief medical officer in England was accosted, abused, yeah. attacked. They kind of grabbed him and said, Oh, hey, 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 Nepal! It's so sad. So he was grabbed in the street, and uh, I think so. It's so it's sad. Like, he was just walking to work. Civil servants shouldn't have to deal with that. Civil servants shouldn't be in the street, to be honest. They're too precious to us. I don't know why he was allowed to walk unescorted. Um, really. Well, I think you're. I think that's being thought now because he was accosted. The thing yeah. is, though, in reality, I think a lot of people in his position do. Because they're not ministers. No, they're not. Um, but the thing is, though, the fact that guys have themselves on camera and it's now online, I think a lot of people just aren't very smart. That was the old school happy slapping. Do you remember when that was a thing? Yeah. When smartphones first came out? Anyway... Um, did you see the England game last night? <laughs> did I see the England game? They beat game? Germany 2-0, uh, which is well done. I was told well they beat to the them. Germans, I didn't see this, but... So Boris Johnson watched it in a suit. Wow. It's an okay. independent article, they said, you know, the independent, uh, sorry, the independent said that, the independent says that, um... Boris Johnson watched the game... Wearing a suit, saw the photo of him mm-hmm. in his office, somewhere in Downing Street watching it. Um, Prince George, the future King of England, also wore a suit to watch the game. You see a photo of that. Okay. And Rishi Sunak wore, he donned the England shirt for it. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think he's a golden sax man, but still a man of the people wearing The golden sax man. Goldman Sachs, not golden sax. Did sack. I say golden sack? <laughs> you went golden sack man. God, I'd love to tickle his golden sack. Ali! Sorry. Don't be so crude first thing in the morning. Okay. Goldman Sachs. Next headline. Uh, last one. <laughs> You've seen this, but Kim Jong-un's lost a lot of weight. Um, oh, God, is he sick? I don't know, but there, apparently there's been spontaneous crying in North Korea because of his... <laughs> Because of his emancipated look, so... He's emaciated look. 
Emancipated. Emancipated. <laughs> I'm just. Thanks for correcting me. Correcting up. You may say I'm just emancipated. Like emancipated means you've been free. Yeah, the which is in quite. Korea would be crying because <laughs> yeah. they've been free, but emancipated means you're emancipated. <laughs> sorry. Yep, yep, yep. Are you just making? I'm just correcting you, gaining point after point here. Okay, well. Uh, okay. Well, well, thanks for that, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm helping you out. So those are my headlines okay. for today. Remember, everyone, we have a Twitter account now, at BampotPod. And if you want to comment on anything you've heard in this podcast, tell us we're right, tell us we're wrong, give us your opinion. Just let us know you're listening, please. <laughs> Really you can come onto our Twitter account and say hello and we can do whatever. That's that's grand. So Okay. You wanted to continue our topic from yesterday. Which if people weren't listening or didn't tune in was gender equality. Gender equality. And um we touched on that and I thought it would be nice to do a continuation of it. So, Ali. Yes. Continue then. I uh, know you had. Um, remember, you had a kind of tack you wanted to take with it. Oh, of a course. A specific area you wanted to look at. Where... Yeah. So, yes, I don't know where my mind is. Yeah. Yeah. Gender quotas. Mm. In the context of that. Yeah. In the context of. Now, I've lost my train of thought, so allow me to get back on the track. Gender quotas for women. Mm. The UK doesn't do this. Right. Well... The UK tends to... There are... Some... some wait. I'm sorry. Wait. <laughs> there are... I don't know if it's legally compulsory, but I know that companies are told or encouraged to publish um information regarding the women that work for them in the UK in the context of the the percentage of women that work in the company I believe so I think so but I don't believe in the UK at the minute it's been made legally compulsory to have quotas of women on the boards for example now I know this maybe is an in comparison an uncomparable comparison but in california it has been made legally compulsory for all company boards to have 40 percent female what type of company um just what type of company no, business what did, companies what did you say what did i say yeah sorry i didn't catch the term in california uh-huh it's been made legally compulsory yeah. for boards, for uh, company boards, to have 40% female. Mm, minimum. I don't know. I think, I mean, I just read 40% right. female. Um, and I know this has been a thing in Scandinavian countries for quite a while. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing in the UK, from what, from what I know. Um, and I'm just wondering whether it should be. Uh, 
Where I don't mind quotas so much is for things like elections, um, where mm. MPs, uh, I mean, not the number of people in the parliament, but the number of people on the candidates list, there should be a minimum, um, you know, form. Quotas do exist in the UK. So, I mean, I know it's not legally um, required, but some organisations do and some political parties do as well. Um, I know the Green Party, um, I believe, has quotas. So um, local Green parties have to find, like, 50... It has to be a 50-50 split between men hmm. and women. Um, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, that's in Scotland anyway. Um, so it doesn't mean that the, the Parliament at the end will be. They still have to win the election normally, but it's at that stage you need to have the, the minimum number. Within business as well, I find that kind of interesting, right... To have the quotas at the stage where they need the staff need to be made up of like the final mm. people in employment need to have that split. Um, the other way to do it, I think, is where you have um, like a, a minimum number of like say 50% of candidates being interviewed at some mm -hmm. stage of the election must be female. So um, that works better in some situations than in others. Um, I guess with boards, like it's normally not an application process. You're normally kind of headhunted by businesses mm -hmm. then. And I have to say, I would assume that there are, in California, there are some... Um, There must be quite a big list of exemptions there because I would assume that this is over a certain size of company, like that it needs to have a fit to it. Because if you think about the fact that anyone can set up a business, you know, if you're a builder and you've set up a company to do your building work, you know, and suddenly you say, oh, well, you've got one man. Legally, you must now have a woman on your board. Like, shit, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is my, <laughs> I'm the only one here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Catherine? Catherine? Yes, I know, wait, like I'm trying to find it. Okay. Oh, I see. Public companies headquartered in California mm -hmm. have until um, the start of this year, no, the start of I think 2019 or 2020 to name at least one female director. Um, and there's 46 publicly held companies in California with all male boards. Mm. So they now need to push for more women. Uh, oh, so it's not like 50-50, it's just a minimum It's of public one. companies with headquarters in California to name at least one female director. Wow. By the end of 2019, the law further mandates that companies with two five-member boards have at least two female directors by the end of 2021. Corporations with six or more directors need at least three women. The penalties for failing to comply is rising accordingly. So the Golden State has become the first in the nation to legislate the requirement for no female way. board members. So that's inspired lawmakers in Massachusetts and 
New Jersey to introduce similar proposals. So the members, so the amount of female members really depends on the size of the board already. Mm. The publicly held companies. So I don't know what that means, but that's what it says. But it will be met with legal challenges. Of course. Um, but... I suppose so, kind of knowing a bit more about it, do you think that companies being forced to do that is a positive? I mean, I know you're saying that you that you think it would fare better depending on the context. So you said for elections and for political parties, but I don't know. I can't help but think that perhaps to kind of make progress happen faster and for women to be more publicly seen yeah. in a higher level, why but, wouldn't this be a positive So I in the business sense? So taking this kind of example into a kind of more generalised area and mm-hmm. my kind of views on this, I, I think I don't mind this legislation at all. I think it's absolutely fine. Um, I don't necessarily think it will be that good at changing things and I I but I don't think it'll be detrimental at all. I think it's absolutely fine to, to do it. Um the reason is I think you can't really legislate away bias or um let's say even something like you say racism, sexism, any homophobia, any of this stuff. You can't just legislate it away. Um, if you want true lasting change, I think it has to come um from within society like as a whole um you know we we all have to kind of change our attitudes to these things and you know off the top of my head here you can see some ways where this might backfire a bit like often these types of policies have unintended consequences and you can imagine like you've got a board let's say there's a company they've got six directors and now they need at least three directors who are um female so well, okay, all six men on the board are pretty happy. You know, they like each other. They don't want, you know, um, to have to fire someone to put a woman in. So they're going to add an additional three members of the board in. But, you know, they don't have money to pay CEO salaries to another, you know, they're, you know, adding on 50% to the, to the, the board um, payroll. You can imagine a world where they'll just hire minimum wage, see, you know, just to, and they'll, They'll give them a title like say equalities commissioner or something, and you so might. So you're seeing window dressing. Kinda yeah yeah I I think you can imagine that'll happen quite a bit and actually that might have a detrimental effect where women are seen as having unimportant roles or women aren't seen as being capable because you know the women that come in are at a, you know lower pay grade and um, they don't really have a clear job to do they've just been hired or you know. $30,000 a year, you know, just to kind of sit there and make up the numbers. Um, well, I suppose <clears throat> if you contextualise and also look at the positive, mm-hmm. some boards may do that and some may not. Exactly, yeah. I'm just. So yeah. I think you're right about you can't legislate away the bias in certain ways of thinking, but perhaps at least at a higher up level at least something's being done to push mm. forward female empowerment in a way. 
See, the laws that I really like in this are the ones that we kind of have, which are anti-discrimination laws. Mm -hmm. I think those should be enforced a lot more. We should figure out ways to enforce it. I think, personally, I feel that those are quite sufficient. Um, If businesses weren't allowed to discriminate to begin with, then you wouldn't need to be pushing for this. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Well, the thing is... Uh that there's already legislation against all sorts of um, discrimination in the UK and actually in the United States and in many countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, you can't legislate away certain things. No. So <laughs> I don't really know whether the whether the discrimination laws are really that effective as well from that perspective actually because like you said you can't legislate away all things no no and it's a very public very visible action when you're starting to move more women into um, kind of boardrooms and whatnot um however it doesn't necessarily affect a lot of the issues that like i guess women are kind of fighting for at the moment and have been for some time like you know it doesn't necessarily help women at the lower end of the job market um which is what we're talking about yesterday is actually where most of the um disparity in say pay comes from it's not that you know if you were to add a few more millionaires in there or add a few more board directors it's not really going to change the pay number and even if it does like let's say you know you add a thousand women into boardrooms in california Mm. and each of them are earning you know multi hundred million pound salaries like top tech job kind of salaries you know maybe you're going to push the needle a bit and raise up the average wage of women in the world but that's all focused within a small group of women that's still really unequal and unfair I think, you know, it really is about I mean, addressing a lot of these issues with gender disparity is about really, I think, far more important that it goes to women um, actually at the lower end of the job market. That's where the differences need to be made rather than at the very top. And um, I think, though, isn't California quite a liberal state that tends to push for the gender equality and all levels of societies. I mean, that's what they say in theory. But the thing is, though, successful women that are held up as part of the female empowerment movement, they tend to focus on the ones that are higher up. So, like, um, Sheryl Sandberg, who was, or I don't know if she still is, a Facebook CEO. Um, There was the woman, Meyer, that was or used to, or perhaps she still does, run yahoo um uh there's other women as well but i forget i mean i suppose you could say ivanka trump but a lot of people don't like to hold her up now well because she was in that position because of her father that of course is a man um but they generally tend to focus on women that are already in the high positions. Yeah. Focusing on women that aren't is also very important and it's something we shouldn't forget because they have Perhaps not lives that are harder, but I mean, I wouldn't even say like 
lives that aren't glamorous because that's a bit of an artificial term but yeah I mean I uh, like their lives probably are not I don't know if I should say it's easy um but yeah it's definitely tougher so you know kind of trying to work to equalize the gender on all levels mm. I think is a positive completely agree obviously it's, I know it's the point you're saying you agree with me on but I agree with you agreeing <laughs> with me I agree with what you added there for kind of a bit more sort of texture to it um I feel that when it comes to women, women's, I was going to say a little thing there. It's kind of gone out of my head a bit, but it was generally to do with um, the application process. Where I really like this is how it works within, um, you know, Parliament. You can't override like governmental elections. You cannot override the vote of the people so the way it works there is you can put in um minimum candidate numbers so that a minimum number of candidates are women on the that voters have a choice to vote for um i really like that actually i, I think this doesn't quite get away from the ingrained bias idea that people can be biased but i really like the idea that you know if you're advertising for a job you really should be seeking to have 50% at some stage of the cat of the um at some stage of the application process 50% of the candidates should be women and you need to make that a goal but the final choice I don't think should be impacted by like there are no real situations where you would want you know as I say a consumer or somebody taking a service like a service user you know, if you're going to a doctor's, you wouldn't want the doctor treating you to have got the job because of their race or their gender or their sexual orientation. You would want them because they're the best person for the job, you know, that they're the best qualified. Um, you know, if an airline suddenly had a campaign where actually this is one where there are huge per like ingrained biases in everyone, but if you're on a plane and you realise that the pilot was unqualified but got the job because they needed to make up numbers in some demographic, I you would I think that's an exception, though, because these are very technical, almost life-saving skills. Completely, but this is kind of my point. I think that I, I, I much prefer that as the way of picking someone. I think that the candidate that gets the job should be the best person for the job. But I do recognise that you need to still make efforts because there are huge biases against people of colour, people that aren't white, straight <laughs> men. Um, if you're not a white, straight man, there are everyone in society, including people within that demographic, have biases against you. Um, we talk about the sexism you receive, even for things like standing up for yourself in public. <laughs> Someone's being a bit of a mong. Um they're huge I'm not dismissing that there are huge there's huge discrimination in the world and people are very biased against it that said I think if we're talking about the kind of ideal way that this ends up I I wouldn't want to see people in jobs just because they meet a certain um, sort of quota mm -hmm. uh, I think that people should be the best for the job um, and I actually think we should look to 
change attitudes over time. I think that's a much better way of doing it. I said you could... Sorry, yeah. You well, here's a practical measure. If you're saying that it should be the best person for the job, then in that case, instead of forcing certain companies to have a certain amount of fee of females on their board, then wouldn't it make sense to have a wider pool of female candidates that are interviewed for jobs on a lower level in a hierarchical work structure? And yep. so that in theory, according to what you're saying, you could have a better qualified person that is a female if lower down in the job structure or the company structure they may be open yeah. up to more women depending on the sector in the field because obviously some sectors you'll find predominantly on all levels are just well, men including levels that are lower down or yeah. you'll also find in some work like nursing or care mm -hmm. it's predominantly female anyway this is the point as well that you know we can't it would be really shitty like if we solve the gender pay gap by giving a small number of women massive massive salaries to bring the average up because that doesn't help other women in other and this is kind of the point we we're talking about yesterday you really need to know what it is that why the gender pay gap exists as i say the vast majority of it comes from the fact that women take time out of work more than men um, and women typically go into jobs that are less well paid um, that's the question you really need to answer here. Like, why do we undervalue, A, raising children, and why do we undervalue care work in our society? If you can answer those questions, you can solve a huge proportion of the gender pay gap as it exists. Like, that's the real question. Why do we value care so little in our society? Um, and I think the other point is, coming back to the kind of quotas and, and whatnot, women... For some of these jobs, women tend to apply less, you know. We're good, coming up to the end, any time now. But I think women, for a lot of these jobs, sorry, I was gonna answer your question there, that's what I was gonna do. I actually think one of the best ways to get around this is, you know, women are every bit as capable of doing these jobs as men are. Um, Overall, as a group, you know, some women are incapable, just as some men are incapable. Some women are, you know, triple A, star, 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 um, performers, just as some men are. Um, but I think when it, it comes to how you get around the current lack of women in these top positions, um, I say overall, I'm less interested in them than the women who are, you know, the vast majority of women that are not seeking top, you know, if I want to fight for equality, I want to start with, you know, all of us, you know, not all of us, everyone who is at the lowest level. Um, but I think the best way to solve it is to offer, I think, kind of support groups, different organisations that can help women navigate that, run by women, for women. Um, that can offer also, support and advice. I think there's a lot of organisations that 
can provide uh, do a really good job of providing women with um, kind of skills to break in to do this and to break down things like um, um, I guess sort of gender biases like women are more than capable of um, solving that um, or uh, helping women into those kind of roles and maybe taking um, work related uh, Yeah, it, like I, I think support groups that can help women to navigate these issues as a woman and the biases as a woman help them to navigate it is a is a good thing, and yeah. I mean, a final ending point also is that maybe another positive for what you call legally mandated females on company boards could also encourage, like what you were saying, certain women don't apply for certain roles or jobs, could encourage women to apply for work yeah. that maybe they feel is out of their reach in the first place. So that could... Absolutely. That could I also think, be mm -hmm. something yeah. that maybe some women might aspire to. I mean, it might be. I wouldn't be one of them, but... I completely agree Many, with that. perhaps like a young girl some somewhere might be like, oh, I could be on a female board because she's yet to experience the misogyny of the world. But um, that could be aspiring. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could be aspiring to very young agree. girls. I think giving someone the, the confidence like to go for this is a big is a big part of it. Um, definitely giving women the confidence. Okay. All right. Well, and to end on that upbeat, objective note, bye from Kat. Oh, bye from Alistair. Bye from Bampop Productions uh -huh. Podcast. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'm going to leave your burp in. Okay. <laughs>